0: This is the American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. My name is Alex, joined, as always, by my co-hosts, James and Ryan. Today, we are coming to you after a 4-1 victory against West Ham at Goodison Park in the Carabao Cup to now move us on to the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. Ryan, what was your instant reaction to the match?
0: We've just never shown so brightly, Alex.
2: Nice. No,
0: yeah, there you go. You like that, huh? That was spontaneous. I didn't even have Smooth, to think about that professional. one. professional. Smooth. That's what we do here. Uh, I, honestly, there were times it was a joy to watch. Uh, you know, the lineup was a little bit curious, but it was fairly offensive and there was a lot of technical skill in there and it was on display. Yeah, you know, you hated how he came out in that first minute or two. They had a nice goal, but I felt like we are in control most of the time. I mean, they had a couple chances at the end of the first half. It was going to happen eventually. They put out a decent lineup, but it's just satisfying, you know. I mean, that's what it was for me. It was just satisfying, and it, and by the end of it, I, I was just thinking, man, we are kicking the. And the best part about it for me was, is West Ham refuses to go get a midfield, and we've had to suffer with a mediocre midfield for so long. To see the difference today, satisfying. That would be my word for the pod. Satisfying
2: overall. I felt felt it was a comfortable, composed, at times completely dominant performance. I thought the West Ham really gave us way too much space, way too much leeway to really dictate play and do whatever we wanted throughout the entire game. Obviously, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who grabbed the headlines with his second hat trick in as many weeks. Richarlison, I thought, was incredible overall team performance. A strong team named by Carlo Ancelotti, and they performed as well as we would have expected, given the, the some of the big names in the lineup and how they've performed thus far in the Premier League. Really encouraging to be this far into the last eight of the Carabao Cup. Just now three matches away from silverware. Knock on wood, of course. It's a great feeling. Six wins to start the season. Couldn't have started any better. We're scoring goals for fun. We're playing teams off the pitch. And I am one happy Evertonian, as I'm sure most of our listeners are as well. Genuinely, all that we can ask for as Everton
1: fans, right? I mean, we've, we've done our fair share of critiquing over the last couple of weeks. Um, but but that I think that's based on the, the level of performance we feel like the team can get to. But a 4-1 win to move us on to the quarterfinals to cap off our impressive start to the season at six out of six is is fantastic. So to move on to the lineup, we only had two changes from the last Care About Cup match, except these were kind of interesting changes because it was Bernard and Awobi dropping out of the starting lineup for Hamez and Allen. Now, I know we're not going to argue that those two are, generally speaking, going to be in the starting lineup, but Owobi and Bernard both had very notably good games last time out in the Carabao Cup match. Ryan, were you surprised at the lineup at all?
0: I was a little surprised. You know, James has a little bit of a, has had some injury issues the last two years. So you kind of thought maybe he'd, he'd be rested, but I, I think Carlo recognizes how important it is to really contest for, for silverware and what a difference it would make to us and and i I think wearing teams down i mean getting into an ebb and flow people are starting to get a little more fit those guys off the bench can be pretty deadly especially alex awobi which we did see later
2: yeah i wasn't particularly surprised to see the the strength of the lineup um i saw on twitter before the match you know again we were at that time four matches away from silverware we got through the lower league opposition we're now facing a fellow Premier league side it's time to really you know go all in, so to speak. And he didn't play the full lineup, but he did field a, a really strong team. And I think that that was necessary. And I think it obviously paid huge dividends. A bit harsh on Bernard and Iwobi, I would I would say, because they did perform very well against Fleetwood. But obviously, Hamas has been lighting it up in the prem. You look at Allen, he's done the same transformative type of player, incredibly influential in the midfield. And I, I think obviously, in hindsight, it was the right decision Of course, the injuries that we picked up, which we'll touch on shortly, may, of course, sort of cloud some of the the positives from the result. But you can't really fault Carlo for, for going all in and trying to get us to that next round because it's so, so important that if we, I mean, if we were to win silverware this season, it would be unlike anything I've experienced as a fan. Obviously, it would be the highlight of, I don't know, since 20 last 25 years has been far too long. So I think Carlo recognizes that now that we're finally past the. So-called, no disrespect to them, but but easier teams, we really kind of have to, to come correct and be ready to play every single
0: match from here on out. And we did that today. The the draw, I mean, we could get a couple. I mean, there aren't too many cupcakes left, but there there's a couple chances that we could get a lighter team in the next round. Possibly. Who knows?
1: So, so let me ask you, you two this. I have kind of an interesting question for you. And this is, this is a hypothetical question. So feel free to answer however you may. Based on our starts of the season, right? We're, we were moving into this match five wins out of five games, right? Cup matches, Premier League doesn't matter. If we were not three wins out of three in the Premier League moving into the care about cup match, right? Do you think we would have seen the same starting 11? Do you think that we would have seen this many starters playing or is that a function of We're killing it. We are unbeaten. There's no issue until there is one.
2: That's a good question. Yeah, it is a good question. I I think it's a case of you beat the team in front of you. Whoever you're playing, you kind of have to adjust and pick your lineup accordingly, kind of irrespective of other results that may have come before. Of course, the fact that we have so many players that are playing well and vying for spots in the team makes the selection a bit more difficult for Carlo. But I also think, you know, the players who have played against the highest level opposition we face this season, we saw them get a look in. The players that Carlo Ancelotti, frankly, brought in to rejuvenate and and breathe new life into this Everton team, Allen and Rodriguez, you could argue, are those two most influential players thus far. So they get in the lineup.
0: It's a good question, though. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe you feel like, you know, guys need a rest or something. Um, I, I don't see any change to the back line, though. You know, I think you want to get Nkunku out, out there. You want to get John Joe out there. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I- the one thing is, though, I mean, if you're going to get those two very important central and defensive midfielders to and Alan, you got to rest at least one, I think, under any circumstance. And so thus the inclusion of, of Fabian Delph and, and ultimately we're going to need some depth there. So it's important that he emerges and gets back to fitness. And especially with uh, JPG still being out. I mean, I'm still hopeful he'll eventually find his way back at one point. It would be so important to have. You know four guys that you can kind of rely on to play in some defensive fashion in the midfield, but yeah, maybe I mean you know, maybe you just look at it and say, boy, Dom needs a break or something like that. Uh, it makes you wonder though I mean who knows maybe if Moise Keen was was healthy, Dom wouldn't play tonight i i it's probably not true, but you know who knows um it seems like some of the some of the situation was dictated to them. I feel bad for Anthony Gordon too, you know it would have been nice to see him and a couple other guys. And the other thing is, too, we're not really sure what he would have done had we not had the injuries too. you know, substitution patterns. He may have had the idea to just play some of these guys a little bit. You know, I can't can't imagine he would have wanted to play James 90 minutes, especially when we were up. But, you know, that's That's what happens sometimes, you know, especially early in the season when people are struggling for fitness with congested fixtures.
1: Absolutely fair and good take. I mean, you know, there, there are, there are different, there are different reasons for chasing other competitions. Some of the big clubs, I'm not sure it might have been Jose in the past week or two mentioned that he wasn't necessarily taking the cup seriously because it doesn't pay him as much money as, let's say, as, as let's say the European uh, competitions or you're right or or finishing in the Premier League for example which is completely fair but then you have Everton on the other hand right who hasn't won a trophy in 20 plus years and we're sitting here with Carlo Ancelotti and James Rodriguez and maybe that doesn't seem so important to us Um, but nonetheless let's move on to the match itself so the match kicks off and I mean it's pretty balanced right not much you can say for the first five or so minutes we saw the same shape that we've kind of been been seeing through the beginning of the season since we brought in um the the new the three new signings and immediately off the bat essentially in the 11th minute Michael Keane is sitting about the halfway line pings a perfect ball through ball over the top Dom first touch down with his left foot perfect touch and boom back of the net with his right foot two touches and it's over 1-0 in the 11th minute how exciting was that start James
2: and just before that, that pass by Michael Keane, he actually, so he's being closed down by, by Manuel Lanzini and he does a really slick little turn to free himself. And then he sees ah, the space true. in front of him, sees the space in front of him, takes a, takes one touch into the space right around the, the center circle and plays just a perfectly weighted ball over the top. Uh, Dominic Calvert Lewins running backside on Declan Rice completely loses him because the ball kind of goes over Rice's head where he has his back turned. He has to shift his body and he's in. Again, for a player who we talked about, not really known for his his deft touches, I mean that was a world class first touch to bring it down, and the finish to pop it home was was equally as good in my opinion to get it over the keeper and into the back of the net. I mean, you can just tell he's brimming with confidence right now.
0: T. G. Jones reincarnated, my friends. That was a beautiful <laughs> pass by Keen. Well, I mean, he had a similar, not a similar pass, but he had an unbelievable left footed, you know chip over the back line last you know on the weekend to Coleman I mean what the heck has gotten into Michael Keene but the first touch from Dom oh oh my goodness where did that come from it was just absolutely perfect it's kind of interesting too because not that that was against the run of play but for us to play direct like that when we did so well in the opening 10 minutes possessing the ball and putting pressure on them you know what I mean I mean you had that the shape was set up so well Fabian Delph kind of sitting in more of the Allen role with Allen pushed up and Everyone just pinging the ball, putting so much pressure, especially from the left side. West Ham looked like they were going to concede early. We really had control of the game. We pull it back out and bang, he does that. I mean, that first touch though, guys, I mean, that's, I, I mean, I have not, we're seeing the transformation a little bit of a center forward right before our eyes, I mean, into a much more complete player that was composed and very impressive, I thought.
1: So, so, so not to rain on the parade, cause I absolutely do agree, but am I terrible in the moment in which that ball is lobbed overhead and it's passing the back line and it's going to dip and drop for Calvert Lewin, am I terrible for thinking immediately, no way he scores that? Because no. I feel like we've seen most of the time when Dominic Calvert Lewin is in one on one with the keeper, we do not get the outcome that we want, right? And don't get me wrong, I don't want this to take it away at all. It's just, I, I guess the, the point is, kind of as you said, Ryan, we are seeing the transformation of a center forward. Every year he's gotten better and better in different parts of his game, the hold-up play, right, the area, aerial ability in general, um, running in behind. And so it, it, it was just really nice, and that shows you the amount of confidence he has um, currently.
0: It's his movement is his work is so important. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, at any one moment, you know, if you if they just go to sleep for a second, he can get you. And you could tell we were
2: trying to to find him early because there were a few other balls over the top yeah. that that weren't quite hit as well. And he had his thumb up. He was, you know, applauding that. You could tell he's looking to make that run in behind. And and furthermore, Alex, to your point about being uh, expecting the worst, maybe with Calvert-Lewin's first touch. I mean, he was a little bit sloppy in the opening 10 minutes. He had a couple bad touches where he gave away possession. But then that just comes out of nowhere, like a thunderbolt. And we're up 1-0 and, and we're cruising all of a sudden.
0: Can we talk about the setup? Like what was West Ham doing playing the higher line that they were? I mean, I understand they were trying to convince the defensive zone, like condense it, make it smaller for us to struggle with possession, which we didn't. Um, what were they doing? I mean, it's not like Dom is some stiff up there, you know, back to the goal type. Plotting player. I mean, he's constantly a danger to run behind. I I don't understand that at all. I mean, they weren't massively high, but they were too high, and I I just I had a feeling we would play one over. Uh, although it was very interesting, if you if if you guys noticed the the back four sat back a little farther. It wasn't you know Nkunku flying upside the left wing like we might have thought. And I don't know that really? w- that was due to the fact that West Ham has some dangerous players out wide. That was a little bit curious. But I, I just thought like West Ham. Like you said earlier, they just needed to tighten up. I mean, throughout the whole game, I mean, they gave so much space. And that's what happens, I guess, when you don't have a lot of great athletes in the midfield. But I don't know. I thought it was not quite to the point of suicide line. But I I do not think that was the right play to play against us, especially with with Richarlison also playing higher up on the left side. I thought that was a big – they were lucky that we didn't score a few more, I thought, earlier, personally. I don't know what you guys think.
1: Yeah, I thought as we moved on in the match, uh, past the 11th minute, essentially immediately, it just felt like we were going to score a second goal. Yeah. And to yep. your point, Ryan, about the high line, the other issue for West Ham was the fact that they had no recovery pace. Shout out Ducore in the likes of Snodgrass and Mark Noble, right? And so, so, so they didn't have legs to be able to track runners from the middle as well, which we know we do play pretty centrally, at least up top in build up play. And we've got a lot of capable central midfielders able to run deep as well.
2: Yeah. And if you look at the average position of our front five, you know, you take Fabian Delph out of the equation, you have Sigurdsson, Hamez, you've got, uh, you've got, of course, Allen pushing forward as Ryan said, and then you've got Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. They are all, their average position is all fairly central. Uh, Richarlison was bombing down the flank and, and Hamez would like, Obviously, we've seen it so many times. There's there's a meme about it. Looking for that curling, slicing ball to find Richarlison cutting down the left hand flank. But we really did exploit their lack of lack of legs in midfield and and kind of just ran them ragged through the entire match.
0: I agree. I, it just goes to show you that when you have a couple of players that can hold the ball under pressure a little bit higher and suck them up. I mean, if they don't step back, they're in trouble. And if they do step back, you have space. Their midfield, West Ham, is not athletic or, or combative enough to really win the ball back. And so you cluster a couple of those guys together. The back line doesn't drop. Bang. You got Richarlison behind him, Dom behind him. Yeah. And you could tell the second we did get the ball and we kind of, you know, to use a hockey term, made the zone entry into the final third and they dropped a little bit. They just look terrified. And I'll tell you what, when Declan Rice, if he's going to play deep like that, you know, play in the center back area, they don't have anyone to really take the ball. I, you know, as much as we complained about some of our early recruitment effort, at least we've right righted the ship. I mean, if I'm West Ham, I, I just I've, I'd be very frustrated as a fan personally. I mean, it's I guess it's nice to be on the other side of that. Right.
1: It's more than nice. I mean, especially after sitting here with the results that we've gotten. And again, this is another example of a match in which don't get me wrong, we did play well, but we could have played better. We can always say that we could have played better. And yet it, it's just a fact of quality shining through. And again, I I feel like I've been saying it over and over again, but that is something extremely refreshing to say about Everton. Now we moved through the rest of the first half, and essentially it always looked like the Toffees were pushing for a second goal, whereas West Ham essentially were nullified. We were sweeping up really well in the center of the pitch. Um, the two fullbacks, well, not not necessarily as much John Kenny as Nkunku did um, well with Yarmolenko on our left-hand side. And essentially we held them to not even troubling Pickford through the first half. It felt like it was a pretty solid all-around first half performance from the Toffees.
0: Johnjo going down was a shame. Um he never really quite got into the match and he's just seemed a little hesitant going forward. It's just a sh- you know, it's just a shame. You would have liked to see him get, you know, 90 minutes in and start to get back into the flow. Because it, it's hard, you know, if you haven't been playing with the team for very long. So I, I definitely felt. Bad about that. But, yeah, we should have been up more. I mean, we had a couple of really dangerous chances. Richarlison's off-balance surprise left-footed shot was just awesome. I mean, how that didn't go in, I don't know. What a save. It would have been pro- uh, nice to have been up 2 nothing because we saw what happened coming out in the second half.
2: Yeah, and and before we move to the second half, that I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Richarlison's, uh, theoretically, uh, first goal where he was offside, obviously. But it was a really nice move again. Oh. With that West Ham line, they did a good job on that particular play, but he, he almost timed that perfectly, and it was a sensational
0: ball by Hamas to find him. It was unbelievable, right? I mean, that was so sweet. I was hoping so much that he was onside. It was such a sweet pass, but oh well. Yeah, it was it was close. It was close, for sure. Now, the, the story of the first half, May not be the
1: exact, uh, the exact tune of the second half, especially in the first about 30 seconds or so. We come out for the second half. The announcers are very nicely talking about how well we did in the first half and how West Ham didn't threaten for anything. And next thing you know, you see Felipe Ander- Anderson with probably 10 yards of space on our right-hand flank. He passes the ball to Robert Snodgrass, who cuts in, and boom. It is 1-1 in the 46th minute, Everton versus West Ham. And I think we were all kind of confused by that sucker
2: punch. Am I wrong to say that, James? Well, it was so out of nowhere. As you said, West Ham created very little only for them to get. And, and It's a good hit by Snodgrass. I'll give credit where credit is due. It's a one-touch one, one touch finish. But I also think Pickford needs to do better on that particular play. It's a really good shot. But also, if you watch the replay, his positioning is a little bit off because Felipe Anderson, as you said, has it on the flank and Pickford is is cutting down the angle there and he plays it to the top of the box but Pickford doesn't really move back centrally towards goal at all. He kind of takes a little half stutter step and then the ball's hit so quickly that he takes the dive and he, and he almost gets his fingers on it and you know, much is made about his height and all that sort of stuff. And maybe a taller keeper would have saved it. But also if he takes a, a full half, str- not even a full stride, a half stride back towards the middle of the goal, I think he saves that with a relative
0: ease. I'm curious to Alex, what you think? Cause I, I I'm undecided whether I think, God, maybe he should have got a finger on that or not. What do you think?
1: I think there was decent curl on it. Okay. So I think I think that it looked a little maybe a little wider than it was, which which doesn't excuse his positioning. And I personally can't speak to the positioning. Um, although I will say that 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 has been kind of a something that people have criticized Jordan Pickford for in general sometimes. I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'd blame him for saving it. I feel like it's it's a hot topic of conversation based on Jordan Pickford's form, specifically after last season. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't have a strong opinion on it, but I will say there was a decent amount of curve and force. Maybe Gilfie and or Allen could have done a little better blocking the shot, if we're going to be
0: honest. Yeah, no one really Maybe. closed him down. That was frustrating. Right. I, but, right. you know, you brought up the point, you know, last year he did not perform well, at least statistically is the second worst shot stopper in the league and pretty convincingly. The other guy, the worst one's gone, at least from a starter, Kepa. So I hate to bring up that narrative because we saw him perform very well against Spurs. We thought, Hey, maybe this is Jordan pictured, you know, turn another leaf, made some mistakes in the cup match palace. I mean, you know, I I don't want to jump on him and say, he could have maybe done a little bit better with, with the shot off the corner. It would have been a tough save tonight. That was, it was a good shot, but you know, you start saying these things and you're kind of like, all right, well, is he going to, You know, at some point, at some point, if you want to be a top six team, it would be easier if you had a top six keeper. So I'm just saying it would be nice to get a performance where he maybe makes a save he shouldn't have. And again, he did well against Spurs. So but that's one game. I mean, I've said a couple things on social media and everyone thinks I'm picking on Jordan Pickford. I'm just looking at the numbers. So but those are the types of plays that does an elite keeper make that save? That's the question. James.
2: Yes, one hundred percent. Elite keeper makes that save. Alex,
0: elite keeper makes that save. Yes, I think so too. I'm just that's all I'll say. I, I mean, he's he's got to play better. I think. I don't. We'll see. You know, it's hard to judge him. It's it's small sample size, but I I am still concerned. That's all I'll say. That's a good point. It, it's it's a difference between what we expect and
1: what we what we probably should be looking for. And deserve essentially, yeah, and course. it's a fair point because because your keeper, I mean, as as counterintuitive as it is, you need your keeper to win you points as well. and in in that in that kind of thought process, you're going to need him to come up with some pretty outrageous saves.
0: no, and you remember the the year end result we did. I mean, he cost us many goals, you know, if you just look at it numerically, compared to the average player. So it's important. You know you've got to get goals, differential, preventing and scoring you know, over the pitch, you've got to get above average performances at different positions. So I, I just, it, it hasn't cost us yet, right? We've won. So that's good. You know, maybe it's just the odds are he's been a little unlucky. So we'll take it, right? You know, six wins, but man, I, I really, I want to see him steal one for us. You know what I mean? I really do. Totally agree. But ultimately, of
2: course, it, it didn't end up mattering because just a few short minutes later, uh 10 minutes later, to be exact, we had Richarlison finally get on the score sheet with a who scored gave James the assist on this? I think that's incredibly generous because he passes it to Richarlison at like the halfway line and Richarlison dribbles down the flank, cuts inside, has a little fake shot, has a real shot. It deflects off again. Uh, I believe it was, it was Declan Rice again. It, it hits off his back. Totally wrong foot's the keeper. No chance back of the net. And we're up and we're in front again. And, and from that point on, it was kind of done and dusted.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was there was a lot to be made, right? Because the ball tips off Declan Rice's back. And so it deflects the opposite direction. Um, some could say it's lucky. Again, I think this is just th- this just shows what we can see from Richarlison. He was he was very heavily um active in build up play moving forward to this point through the first 55 or so minutes. And as you said, we see a player that drives through. He's he, We've seen that he is best coming from the left-hand side, and that's because he can drive in, cut on his right foot, his preferred foot, although he's good with both, and do what he does best, score goals.
0: He looks so dangerous right now. You know what I mean, too? We can get into his performance, but he just looks stronger, tougher. I, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable he hasn't scored more so far this year, but, I mean, he looks really good, and that's why when you see him go down five minutes later, right? It was it was a nervous moment. At least it didn't look too terribly bad. He did try and come back in, but um, you know it's a shame because now we've made two subs at what like the 60th minute, and we, you know we've only got one more. And and don't get me wrong, I was happy to see my boy Alex Wobie get in there, but not at the expense of a Richarlison injury. So um, you know that's that's the one converse when you're playing a, a really good lineup. I mean, you want to win the match, but you obviously put things at risk with injury and and. It happened, you know, and then unfortunately, eight minutes later, what happened again? We saw another one. So all our subs are done in the 69th minute. But it was nice to see that we have the depth to continue on what we were doing, because it almost didn't matter, because I feel like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like when Decoray get in there, it's almost like a cheat code to put him in the middle of the match with energy, like he doesn't have enough already. I felt like from about the 70th minute on, maybe they were just tired, West Ham, but we absolutely tore them to shreds, and it was a thing of beauty.
1: You could definitely see when Ducore came on that he was demanding the ball and he was running box to box, trying to press forward in attack quite a bit. I personally was pretty impressed by simply his technical ability, his ability to to retain possession as he's driving forward. And it looked like he was pretty intelligent with how he distributed the ball as well, which was good to see. Obviously, again, as you said, tired legs and that sort of thing. But the energy was was absolutely immense. And moving forward, he's really exciting to watch.
2: Yeah, the two injuries are tough. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And the three injuries, obviously going back to, to John Joe. But I think obviously Richarlison and Allen are, are higher on the, the priority list as far as players we'd be using on a regular basis. That said, again, Alex Awobi and Decore off the bench, not bad options. And you did see, and Allen was everywhere to, to, to his credit, but, but Decore came in and, and filled that, that role perfectly well. And again, aggressive going forward, more comfortable, I think, with the ball at his feet and driving things uh, at the opposition goal. And uh, like you said, Ryan, just we were all over them. And just a few short minutes after after DeCorey comes on, Dom gets his second. It's an unassisted goal off of a of a curled shot by a Wobi that hits the post. Calvert-Lewin, as he has been so many
0: times this season, right place, right time. And it's a tap in. It was awesome to just see those guys playing around with the ball. I mean, the one thing a does pretty well is when he gets in advanced positions, Alex, you know, the stats, I'm not going to cite him. But when he gets his touches up top, he's dangerous and he, he doesn't pull off everything, but he can hold the ball up there. You know, he can keep a player off balance, just a little, a little move, a little cut back, a little something. And he's strong enough. James, we know, is unbelievable retaining the ball and receiving the ball up farther up and Gilfie's more of a one-touch guy but you know those guys could all they were just passing the ball around like like nothing you know i mean they could west ham could do nothing about it and then decory's flying around 100 miles an hour i mean it was it was just such a joy to watch I and mean, you just didn't know from where they were going to come and west ham had to pack the box i mean it was not not surprising to me that dom Dom got the last one, but I mean, let me tell you what, Dom was, I mean, he missed a couple too that maybe he could have made, but I mean, it was just so nice to see us close it out with no problems whatsoever. I mean, fantastic. I mean, yeah, the last goal too was just, man. I mean, it, it was nice to see Gilfy being the old Gilfy, you know, the trigger guy in the final third to, to make the dagger pass that through ball. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was, I, I know he's not the greatest but if you get him in dangerous situations, his issue is more receiving and retaining the ball. But when he has the ball at his feet and he's in the final third with some people in front of him, you can see what can happen. He can still he can still kind of solve problems there and create chances still. Uh, it's just a matter of him getting in the spot. And it was nice to see. I'm sure it was satisfying for him, too.
2: And again, Calvert-Lewin's movement for the goal, like you said, Ryan, the ability of Gilfie Sigurdsson when he's around the box to unlock things. But Calvert-Lewin does a really good job of dropping off the back shoulder of guess who? Again, Declan Rice will be having nightmares uh, about Calvert-Lewin probably tonight. Drops off the back shoulder and just frees himself in. And it's a tap-in again. So he had those two goals. He had five shots total, I believe, in the match, three of which were goals in the box, two of which were outside the box. A bit ambitious for maybe what we've seen from him in his Everton career thus far, but clearly a player brewing with confidence and he gets another hat trick, which is just absolutely unbelievable. It is absolutely unbelievable.
1: So that is a fantastic time to kind of move in towards diving a little bit deeper into how we felt individual players play. Dominic Calvert-Lewin with a hat trick is obviously our star performer for the day. I think there can't be many questions about that. Um, Richarlison, on the other hand, though, a lot of fantastic work. Um, He came out of the match with a goal, although he did hit the post, but he also had three tackles and three successful take-ons to round out a solid offensive and defensive shift for
0: the Blues today. I mean, he running at people was terrifying. I mean, they, they really struggled with him again. Um, it's a, it's a shame that he got hurt. I, I can't, I mean, it's the second time where he's got pulled a little, pulled early, you know, this time because of injury, they kind of wonder what his numbers would have looked like the end of it. Yeah. He's constantly dangerous. I'll tell you what he just, like I said before, he looks bigger, stronger, faster, tougher, more direct. And now that he has the support behind him, man, God, I mean, he, what a player ruining the transfer market. Of course, though, you know, did you, I'm, I'm sure you guys enjoyed me reposting that one from, uh, um, you know, two years ago, right? <laughs> we'll take it.
2: Yeah, it's it's it, obviously, again, calvert Lewin's going to get the headlines. Richarlison was incredibly dangerous. James was, I think, just head and shoulders above anyone, um, in my opinion. You look at most touches on the team by some distance. He had 88 total touches. He had a 91% pass success rate, 60 for 66, five key passes and six successful dribbles it is unbelievable
0: the sure extent awesome to which
2: it, it's it's some it's something spectacular to behold and it's incredible the degree to which the game slows down around him and the extent to which defenses are terrified to close him down like everyone goes into panic mode on the opposition when hamas has the ball because a he's unpredictable even though there's usually like a 95% chance he's going to ping it over to the left-hand flank it seems like <laughs> but he's so dynamic in players you try to take the ball from him and it's like glued to his foot he'll he'll go around you he'll he'll pass just through three people you close him down you think you're gonna get the ball off him all of a sudden it's we're in behind um it's just a different level and, and what an element of of class he's brought to this
0: everton side this season the flicks the chips man god what a what a player i mean again glad we got that guy <laughs> um, you know, a shout out too goes to Fabian Delph. I-, I thought he was outstanding tonight. You know, you could see even earlier when he just did such a nice job. He was playing a little bit behind everyone, supporting everyone, get a bunch of tackles. I think he had what four tackles, get an interception. Uh, again, high pass rate as usual. And he did it. A- you can see why we said on our season review that Delph actually in the short stints he had last year was a good possession player. He made passes under pressure. Um, just a little change of direction, a little kind of, change of pace he can push the ball forward a little bit he did a good job creating space for himself don't get me wrong west ham's midfield is not very dangerous but it was just nice to see him settle in he looked much better than he did in the other cup match you know he seemed more confident on the ball and he is a good passer and i i, I thought he was a bit of an engine tonight i mean had had Dom not been just so absolutely clinical tonight he would have been in the running i think for man of the match so fabian delft deserves some credit i know he's not loved out there but yeah i thought he had a really nice match personally yeah, I absolutely agree.
1: And in the same breath, someone that we didn't talk about pretty much at all in this episode yet was Niels Kunku. And there's been a lot of hype surrounding him in past weeks, specifically in the cup matches. When we see him bursting down the left-hand side, he's got a lot of pace. He's got good offensive ability as well. He's got a good left foot on him, but he put in a shift today, a defensive shift with four tackles and interception, two clearances with Darmalenko on his side to begin with. So, although he wasn't necessarily the blockbuster pushing forward on the left hand side with a lot of offensive action that we've known to come and love over the last couple weeks um, on our midweek matches, he put in a very solid defensive shift, um, especially in the first half against Yarmolenko. He he was
2: pretty good. I love how he kicked him that one time too. Yeah, yeah the kick was him. great. <laughs> the kick was so good, and Yarmolenko like throws his feet in the air, oh, trying that's to get to so him. Oh, it's a buzz. Oh, and there was one moment shortly before that. Yarmolenko gets the ball maybe 10 yards out from, from the box. And Nkunku's nipping at his heels, nipping at his heels. Yarmolenko's trying to turn and find someone to move the ball forward. And the relentless pressure actually forces Yarmolenko to go back to into his own half, pass the ball back to the defense, and they eventually go back to the keeper. So that was, that was a moment that really stood out for me for Nkunku. As you said, Alex, not his best offensive performance, but you have to take the opposition into account. And we've talked a lot on the show about the fact that he's still kind of raw defensively. And Ryan mentioned earlier the, the shape that we took. He wasn't afforded maybe the amount of freedom that he has been in weeks past to get forward. So I think he, he kept disciplined. He, he understood that he had to kind of play within himself and, and really focus on the defensive side of the ball more so than offense today. And, and he executed very well. And I also wanted to just quickly mention Luca Dean because he, we talk about him so much. He's probably one of the most consistent players in the squad and he slots in at center back the last two matches. Like it's absolutely nothing. And actually in the, in the first cup match as well, when, um, when Branthwaite went down. So he's now played potentially three matches at, at center half and looked quite frankly, really, really freaking good. He won four aerials today and we know he's pretty good in the air, but he won more aerials than Michael Keane.
0: You know, you got to give credit to, there's gotta be something there to kind of the French language issue too. I think Mm. that has to be part of what Carlos thinking. If you're going to play the young guy out left, I think Luca makes a big difference that way. It reminds me a little bit of how alaba has been used at at Bayern. You know, you basically took an outside back, put him in the middle because you know you're going to have the ball a lot. I mean, ideally, I don't want that to continue. I want Luca back there at left back. I'm sure I'm sure in Kunku felt like that had to help his confidence a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, you could tell he's comfortable going forward. Clearly, you know, he just wants to go, go, go. So, and there are a couple of times he stepped back. He was a little uncomfortable kind of defending, but, but, you know, no major errors or anything. And yeah, he gave a little bit of space, could close down, but you know, he, he looked like he got a little more comfortable going in the match when he figured out that Yarmolenko wasn't going to blow by him. Uh, that's why I think the kick was kind of important because you could see he was starting to get aggressive on him and, and basically to say, look, old man. You're not, I am much better athlete than you. You're not going to buy me and I'm not falling for any of your tricks. Um, that was satisfying again to me. Um, that's important though for a young player. You know, he's coming to a new league. He's comfortable going forward. I mean, he played some left wing back in the day too. So, you know, he's a naturally attacking player to be asked to sit back and play more of a defensive role. And I think come out with it unscathed. That, that's got to be a big moment for him, at least in my opinion. I, I hope it is, you know, you could see he's athletic enough. There's no reason necessarily that he can't eventually be an outstanding defensive player, but man, can you believe we got that guy on a free? I mean, are you kidding me? Marcel brands, man, kudos to him. That's a great pickup. Fantastic pickup. So gentlemen,
1: before we move into a quick preview of the Brighton match in the premier league, why don't we close out with a quick final thought of the match? So James, what is your final thought? of the match, of the win to push us through to the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup.
2: My final thought is I love this Everton team a lot. And I I feel (laughs) a tremendous amount of joy watching them week in, week out. All of a sudden it was, we've had some dark days, Alex and I and Ryan recording this podcast in seasons past the way that we're playing right now. It's almost, it, it makes all those feelings start to go away. And I know Our our Scouser friends overseas have had decades of of mediocrity and and disappointment. But truly, Carlo Ancelotti coming into this club has made us do a complete 180, and we look a completely different side. I am very much looking forward to seeing how the rest of this cup run goes because I truly feel that we have the, the personnel and the capability to win the thing.
0: You know, Alex, two significant injuries today, and we actually look better. You know what I mean? It's nice. We, we don't have full depth. Like this is not a squad that I think is going to finish top four yet. There's still some, some issues, but think about this, man. We're doing this without Mason Holgate. We're doing this without, you know, JP, I mean, was acquired to be kind of our big guy. You know, I still have some concerns, of course, but boy, that was a difference. Like, I mean, we did not have the players that we could have pulled off the bench like we did tonight. And, um, yeah, man. I mean, we just, God, it was so joyful to see 20 minutes at the end of the match. You're not concerned about losing. You're just wondering who's going to bang the next one in. And Dominic Calvert Lewandowski is just emerging as an absolute force. It's, uh, dang, man. It, it was fun to watch tonight, at least in the last 25 minutes, once we knew it was over. And, and I also like beating West Ham too, frankly. That's, that's, that's a bit of a joyful thing for me. I don't know why I just feel like that's a team that we should beat especially the way be- they've been managed the last couple of years and it's nice to come out of the tunnel a little bit there is light at the end of the tunnel I see hope and look guys we're we're not going to have uh, have a loss before October I mean man you know things could not be going better for us right now um but this weekend's not going to be too easy uh Alex what are your last thoughts
1: Honestly I'm going to keep it pretty simple I'm excited as you two are But James, as you touched on James' 88 touches, James had the most touches in the match for Everton. And so at a very basic level, all I'm saying is that illustrates a game plan that works, a game plan that did work. Now, you can argue that the opposition um, wasn't of the highest quality, but when you have James Rodriguez in your team and you have James Rodriguez um, with five key passes and six successful take-ons, or or a player that's able to do that in a match... You want them to have the ball as much as possible. And so I think I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for the cup run. I'm excited for the league, but I'm also excited to just see a coherent plan with an organized shape with a team that cares. And, and it seems a decent execution of said plan.
0: Great point. Great. So, point. I,
1: you know, it, it, that may seem oversimplified and, and that's fair, but I think, Overall, it, you know, it's 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 nice when you can kind of connect the stats sometimes and, and see how how that affects the team overall. So, moving on to Brighton, gentlemen, we will do a quick preview for the match against Brighton. Brighton will travel to Goodison Park on Saturday, October third, to play against Everton. Brighton have not started the league off to a fantastic start as of yet, with one win and two losses. They also played. In the Carabao Cup today against Manchester United and lost. How are we feeling moving into the bright, moving into the Brighton
0: match in general on the weekend, fellas? Well, uh, first of all, I think they're underrated. Um, you know th- they they've been actually pretty good. It's not going to be an easy match at all. I mean, their defense has been. Limited shots, big time. Uh, they've scored a couple goals too. They have some dangerous players. It'll be good to know that Masuma's out. But yeah, I mean, you look at them so far. I mean, they're fourth in expected goal differential, fourth in shots. Um, they've drawn more fouls than everybody else. I mean, they, they're they're effective, and their defense has only given up six shots on target. All you know, in the first three matches. That's pretty impressive. You know, everything else is kind of in the middle. Yeah, Basuma being out is helpful. I mean, I don't know if you guys appreciated the Sean Michaels like super kick that he laid out, you know, to get the red card. I, I know it was accidental, but it was totally absurd. Um, they still got Adam Lalana in center mid. Uh yeah, and they'll be a little tricky. They'll be a little different. I they do play some different formations. They like three in the back. Webster, Lewis Dunks pretty solid in the middle, even though he has nightmares over Charleston dribbling around him last year, I think. That was lovely. Ben Gibson, who is everyone's darling, and uh, Lampley's pretty dangerous on on the right side too. And uh, uh, Mopai is is absolutely one of the more obnoxious players in the league. So uh, buckle up because. Two and Connolly are decent attacking players. So that guy's a good player, but he is absolutely annoying and arrogant and cocky. And I almost guarantee you Evertonians that don't know him very well will not like him after this one. Um, it's going to be a tough match though. Uh, no question about it. They're, they're better than I think they've been a little unfortunate. I think to have only won one. Yeah.
2: No, I, I think that's totally correct, Ryan. I think, I think this is a bit of a sleeper match. Brighton have played quite well in, in a lot of their games this season. They were ridiculously unlucky against Manchester United, uh, not in the Cup, which they lost 3-0, but in the league last weekend when, obviously, United were given a penalty after full-time, a uh, bit of a weird one that that was... I thought they played really well. I believe they hit five posts in that game, so uh, really hard done by to not get three points in that match, but they are dangerous, and Graham Potter has them playing a really... They, they understand their identity as a squad, and and Lampy coming in uh, uh, from Chelsea was a really good signing. They didn't want to get rid of him, and he's tore it up. He's he's gotten a lot of headlines for himself the last few weeks, making an instant impact. He'll get up and down the pitch. He's he's quick. He's going forward. He's dangerous. Like you said, Ryan Mopai is uh, the type of player that oppositions hate and and you know home fans love because he just has that. A little bit of snideness about him. He'll, he'll, you know, throw in a rash tackle here or there. He'll stick his foot where it's not supposed to be. Hopefully, I I, personally, I think, or I hope that Allen can be fit for the weekend because I would love to see Allen just put in a nasty tackle and see those two guys go at it all match.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be nice. Did you guys see the chip he had, the Panenka? uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the crying, you know, Mbappe type celebration. I mean, my God, someone needs to kick that guy. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. He's
1: good, though. I mean, he's a good player. So how is that going to affect the team that we put out on Saturday? Who, if Richarlison and Allen are out, do we think could replace them in
0: the starting 11? Well, we know what's wrong with them because of the discord. They've been – medically diagnosed perfectly by uh, our genius members of the, of, the, of the, you know, the discord community. So thank you guys. We appreciate that. I make a big difference. You know what I mean? I, I, I will say this though. I, I don't, I think the bigger issue too, is if, if we consider Delph kind of the best sitting six replacement, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know, he hasn't been fully up to fitness and he just played 90 minutes. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, you got to figure DeCorey's going to be in there too. Andre's been fine, you know, in terms of possession that might be important against these guys. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Obviously Richarlison not being there would be, uh, that would be a huge blow. You know, he's just looks so good and so dangerous. I don't know. It's nice to have a little bit of depth, but, um, yeah, I got a little bit of concern. Obviously there's a drop off, you know, a Fabian Delph who's not maybe fully fit, even though he looked good tonight playing a couple days later is not all on for sure. But Hey man, you know, like you said before, Alex, having a plan, you know, Carlo will have something dialed up. You would think Um, we certainly have enough talent and Hey, look, they're missing a key midfielder too. There's no reason not to be confident, but they are a good team. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting and maybe switches things up. I mean, I, I I'd have to go back to look, but I think everyone we've played against has anyone we played against played a back three. Uh And then Brighton do play back four sometimes too. I, I don't want to totally overextend that, but, um, I don't know, Hames. What do you think, man?
2: Well, I will have to say, losing Richarlison would be a huge blow, and and I don't think it makes sense that if he's not, if there's any chance of him, you know, making the injury worse or anything, not to risk it because it would be a huge blow. But fortunately, we do have a decent amount of depth of guys that can come in and in his stead. We're talking Anthony Gordon, we're talking Bernard, we're talking Alex be. I think any one of those guys could come in and, and perform well off the bench. I would love to see Anthony Gordon get a start. Hopefully he's, uh, gets well because obviously he was sick today. Unlucky to miss out on the team. Um, see him come in, make an impact, but Bernard would be an interesting shout. Again, played well in the cup match against, True. uh, so, so you could see, you could see against Fleetwood Town. Excuse me. You could see a lot of potential options there. I think Allen is the one that really raises some red flags because JPG's out, as we've said. You probably look to play Fabian Delph alongside Andre Gomez there, but that doesn't exactly instill you with a ton of confidence. Oh, actually, I should say, Decore will probably maybe play alongside Allen, which would allow, you know, allow James to get forward, maybe throw Gilfie in the midfield. We do have options, as you guys both said, so not the biggest loss, and I think at this early stage in the season with the position we're in in the table, it doesn't make sense to risk guys. I think Carlo will recognize that and play it safe, so to speak we've got a
1: fresh pair of central midfield legs and Tom Davies ready for Saturday. And, and if there we're really, confli- if we're really conflicted on whether Delft can handle the minutes or the mileage, um, you know, the scouts are himself. playing with
0: Andre playing with Andre, you know, the defense specialist. No. Yeah. I think that's a genius play. I'm sure he'll look like Jorginho back there uh, in in the, in a sitting six. Um, anyway, the point I was trying to make, which I can assure you is significantly more relevant to Tom Davies' factor in the next weekend's match, let's hope he gets alone by then. Um, is that's mean? That's mean. I, I didn't mean to be mean. I'm sorry, Tom Davies. I, I, I know. Uh, anyway, one thing that worth noting is that um, it, it's true. What I said was right. We haven't played against a team that hasn't that's played anything but a back four. Palace is obviously four four two counter. Uh, Fleetwood Town played with a back four. West Brom was. Well, they were, it's funny. I forgot this. I guess they did play with the back three for a little bit until they got the red card. Uh, (laughs) Safford for Tottenham obviously played, you know, Jose's, uh, 4231 or 442, whichever one you say. So it'll be interesting to see if Carlo, maybe he does dial up something different due to different personnel changes and knowing Brighton might come back with the back three. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. But yeah, Alex, like you said before, we know Carlo will have a plan. And we know it'll be understandable. And he's got some different guys that he can play in and play differently. I, you know what? I'm going to go on a limb and say, Carlo's going to mix it up and come out with something a little bit different. And I'm excited to see it.
1: Fair enough. Well, on the back of that, thank you so much for tuning into the American Toffee podcast. Look out for our episode following the match against Brighton on Saturday. And until next time up the Toffees. Thanks for tuning into the American Toffee podcast.
2: Come join our Discord community at invite.gg/atp, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Talkie Pod.